amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. William DeBry has left the building, but does that mean it's the end for Julian and Alexis? We'll be talking about that and a whole lot more tonight on Tune In Tomorrow. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tune In Tomorrow. I'm your host, Richard Sims. I'm also the executive editor of Soaps In Depth magazine. I'm also the tweet master general over at Soaps In Depth. And as you know, there's been a lot of things going on in the soap universe over the last couple of weeks. Um, We've had a huge shakeup over at The Young and the Restless, where uh, the uh, head writer and her story consultant have decided to quote-unquote, retire, and executive producer Mal Young, who was brought on with great fanfare uh, not too long ago, has stepped in to become the new head writer. At General Hospital, there's a lot of um, build-up to the introduction of Steve Burton and whether or not he will be playing Jason, but the real news came out of the General Hospital Fan Club weekend, um, where William DeBry confirmed that, yes, in fact, he filmed his last episode right before the show went on their extended break that they take every, you know, four or five months they take uh, a break. That was the last time he filmed. He has not been back to to the studio since, but he gave hope to fans by saying that all hope was not lost and that uh, they might still find a way to hammer out a deal. The question is, given that they've been back filming now for a bit, what actually happens to Julian? Will he just disappear from the canvas? You know, which on General Hospital being the crowded canvas that it is, it's not too difficult to shuffle a character to the back burner for a while. But no word yet on exactly how that's going to play out. And of course, we still haven't seen the last material that he's taped on air. So we still have him on air for a little while, but it'll be interesting to see what happens once William DeVry's last episode, or at least the last episode that he has taped so far, actually airs. Uh, and, of course, the other thing kind of getting people really buzzing has been the kiss that Mariah and Tessa shared. And uh, let's just say that set off a bit of a firestorm. A lot of people saw it coming, you know. Even, even I almost feel as if people saw it coming even before the show knew it was going there. There was just sort of an idea that these two characters really played together well, had a lot of chemistry. But the minute they actually went there and, and locked lips, Um, the controversy began and it hasn't really stopped since. There's a lot of talk about that. Uh, Meanwhile, I want to give you a little spoiler here. First of all, if you saw the end of today's Bold and Beautiful, um, you know, we saw Eric and Quinn reunite and they were dancing in the living room. And and I will admit this 
curmudgeonly heart of mine was was I, I almost cried. I thought it was so beautiful. And then you got to the end of the episode and they panned up to Quinn's portrait and they did this really cool thing that for me was right out of Walt Disney World's Haunted Mansion where the lightning flashed and uh, Quinn's portrait changed to a creepy one of Sheila and it was just it was all kinds of awesome. And that was sort of setting the stage because if you think Sheila is down and out Oh, contraire, my friends, think again. In fact, I'm telling you now, you don't want to miss Friday's episode. Um, it's going to be good, it's going to be big, and it's going to kick off sort of the next phase of this story, which includes building up to the introduction of E.M. Buchanan's James, or I shouldn't say reintroduction, I should say reintroduction, because we all know that um, Sheila was at one time married to James, but it all kicks off on Friday as the summer of Sheila continues. Uh, if you want to join the conversation here, give me a call at 714-868-0749 and uh, We'll talk about whatever you like. You can ask your soapy questions or state your soapy opinions. You can also um, leave your comments in the chat room, which is open, and I try and keep an eye on it. Sometimes uh, I'm not great at it, I will be honest, but I'll do my best. Uh, again, it's 714-868-0749. Once you have dialed that number, you'll be prompted to push a button, and that'll indicate to me that you're on the line and want to talk. And we're going to go to the phone lines right now. Um, we have several callers on the line, so I'm really excited. Um, the one thing I'm hoping against hope is that that, oh, so annoying, Dan J. Kroll does not attempt to phone in. But um, we'll see. Let's see how it goes. Two, six, I seven, am here to bring the, fire uh, and fury. Oh, oh, Dan J. Kroll. Oh, what are you doing here? Don't well, you I heard that you were getting. To do than, don't you have something better to do than stalk me? Not really. Not today. <laughs> we are here. What's going on? Jay Kroll. He's a very good friend of mine. Um, we joke on Twitter a lot to the point where people actually sometimes think we don't like each other. Um, he is actually one of my top, like, 76 people on the planet. And, um, Dan, it's nice to hear you. What's up? That's right. We're short. We're friends. We're good, good friends. <laughs> I just wanted to call in because, you know, uh, I'm on a temporary uh, break from doing what I normally do while I uh, get some things together. So I have to crash other people's shows in order to, you know, talk. So here I am crashing the show. Well, it's awesome to have you here. We were actually talking earlier today um, about... Uh, the thing that has sort of Twitter in some cases celebrating in other cases up in arms. And that is the Mariah and uh, Mariah and Tessa kiss. And, you know, we were talking about sort of a theory that is out there that we've both seen on Twitter. Do you want to go ahead and set up what that theory is? Sure. It's interesting because I posed it on Twitter on the Soap Central Twitter account based on a bunch of emails that I've gotten. And there seems to be a theory among viewers, for whatever reason, that The Young and the Restless is pairing Mariah and Tessa strictly so that they can put back together Devon and Hillary. I'm not sure where this came from. I'm not sure why there are so many people who are uh, expressing it, but I've gotten so many uh, of emails and tweets about this that I thought I would pose it out there on the Twitter account just to see 
you know, how people would respond. Well, speaking of fire and fury, people think that I'm uh, a crazy person and I'm clickbaiting and I'm creating rumors and I'm against uh, heterosexual couples and I'm against African-Americans and I'm against the gay community and lesbians. It's wonderfully crazy. Um, It's strictly just based on that and thousands and thousands of emails and tweets and other feedback that I've gotten, even on our, our hotline that we still have, from people who think that the very idea of having lesbian characters on The Young and the Restless is the most sacrilege thing ever to be done, that Bill Bell is rolling over in his grave, uh, according to some viewers, this, and that this has no place on daytime television, or I'm assuming any television based on, on the feedback, And it's funny because these are the same almost word-for-word messages that I got back in 1996 when All My Children was doing a storyline about Kevin Sheffield coming out and then having a gay teacher, Michael Delaney, who is Chris Bruno, who now apparently is an MMA fighter, can kick the crap out of anybody. Not that it has anything to do with anything. It's just I was surprised to see that he was an MMA, MMA fighter from Soap actor to uh, you know kick your behind but it's literally the same thing that I'm seeing 21 years 22 years uh, in some cases later from people who are saying um, uh, paraphrasing burn in hell burn in hell die 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 stabby stabby all the things which is in some ways it's it's so disheartening you know you think that we've come so much further than that and you really are kind of reminded that you know, while parts of the country have moved forward quite a bit, there are other parts of the country that, you know, that, that really do not think this. Now, I think it's, it's interesting to me that we talk about this, and when the readers talk about this, um, one of the things that comes up a lot, and I'm sure you've seen it a lot, is this is stupid, Mariah isn't gay. Mariah has never, you know, we've never had any indication that Mariah is gay. And what... I'm very happy for people who have lived in their, their lived their entire lives without ever having their lives ripped open by the fact that someone in their life, you know, goes through a period where they question their sexuality, you know, where where maybe, um, you know, whether we, we've we've all heard and seen it, you know, a man who's gone his entire life and suddenly comes out of the closet and leaves his wife to go, you know, be quote unquote his true self. And I think that's much more common with with people in the age group that we're talking about here with Tessa and Mariah. I had a call from um we don't get many calls at the office, which always surprises me. I'm always surprised that people don't you know, it's pretty easy to figure out how to get in touch with us at the office. And I'm always surprised. I have one guy, Rich Brown, who calls me a lot. He's an awesome guy. He um um he I, I can't remember how old he is, but he's an older he's an older caller. Um, he leaves me messages at the office a lot. Um, Sharon Sharon Case has really been a bright spot in his life. She sends him Christmas cards and birthday cards, and he always calls to leave me a message about it. But he's, like, really the only person out there that calls regularly. But I had a call today from a – or yesterday, I guess it was – from a 75-year-old woman in Philadelphia who was Pittsburgh. very upset about yeah. this. You told Pitt- me it was Pittsburgh. Yes, it might have, yes, you're right. It was Pittsburgh. You're very right. It was Pittsburgh. Thank you. Um, and and she was she was very upset about this and said that not only was she upset about this but all of the young people 
are upset about this storyline. And I couldn't help thinking, ma'am, I think it's probably more people your age that are upset about it than it is young people. And in my mind, this is very much the kind of story that soaps need to be doing to get the younger audience that they crave. And it's not saying that, you know, it's not saying Mariah is going to be gay or that, you know, or that, or that Tessa is gay. It, it could be that, you know, they're bisexual. It could be that one of them is gay, one of them is questioning. But it's it's a modern story. It opens up so much potential. And I love the idea of let's say let's say it turns out that Tessa is bisexual and we play a triangle between Noah and his sister. It's very common on soaps for, you know, siblings to fall in love with the same person, but it's not exactly common for siblings to fall in love with the same person when one is a one is a brother and one is a sister and the person caught in the mm-hmm. middle is a woman. I think that's I think that's so modern and so fantastic. And I will tell you this I actually know somebody who was in that situation. I know Shut a brother up. and sister. I know a brother and sister who when they were in college both dated the same person and did not realize it at the time. They found out I mean, they you? found out like while it was still going on but but at the time that it started, they did not realize they were both dating the same person. So what did you and your sister do when you found this out? <laughs> oh, my sister is going to be so mad at you if you even suggested that. No, Dwayne. And, and her husband is like, wait, she's into that? Uh, no, Dwayne. I'm sorry. She's not. So get it out of there. Um, the other big thing that you know we were talking about earlier in the show at the top of the hour was the William DeBry situation, um, you know, and and how they will handle that. You know, they're back filming now. William DeBry has ha- confirmed at the General Hospital Fan Club weekend, which was held this past weekend, he confirmed that he's done filming as of uh, what was the last day they filmed? Was it like July? something or other, I can't remember exactly, like right before they went on their hiatus for three weeks, he filmed his last episode. They are back to filming, and he is not on set. So what do you think here? It's interesting that we went from talking about uh, Hillary and Devon fans to another very vocal group of fans, the Jalexis fans on General Hospital. Uh, I, I feel like this is going to be the case. General Hospital has had this happen a couple of times now in the past year-ish, we'll say, where um, Tyler Christopher was sort of an in and out before he was out, and then there was Rebecca Herbst, then we have Roger Howarth. I think they're going to just do what they normally do. They're just going to pretend that nobody notices that a character is gone. I mean, unless he's already written in the scripts, in which case, I don't know, what do you do? Do you find out if Blake Barris is available to come in? Uh, he did it for for the Spinelli thing when uh, uh, Bradford Anderson wasn't available. I mean, what do you do? Do you bring in somebody for a couple of bits and hope that things work out? Do you completely write scripts? Do you uh, maybe tape things out of order? I don't know what you do, but um, this is one of those interesting sort of games of chicken, though, uh, in my mind, anyway. You've got a lot of people on my Twitter feed, and more than likely on the Soaps in Depth feed, uh, Twitter feed as well, from people who are saying they will never, ever again watch General Hospital if William DeVry is not re-signed to a contract. And I'm sure, as I see, they're you know, uh, adding the ABC network and adding General, they're tagging General Hospital, so Clearly, if anybody's reading their feeds, they're going to see these. Do they care? Are they taking this into consideration when they have talks? Uh, you know, do they sort of take for granted that maybe these are a bunch of people with bots that they've set up to send out all the same messages saying that they're not going to watch? 
Is it a case of, you know, you've got a thousand fans who are really vocal and nowhere near a, a large percentage of the two million people who are actually watching, uh, according to the ratings anyway? I don't know what they do, but I think they need to figure it out sooner rather than later so that we don't have this nonsensical uh, suspension of reality and, and couples and, and characters without having a William DeVry's status one way, shape, or another. And he also said that you know if they wait too long, he's got a movie project that he's going to be working on or, or some other project. I don't know if it's a movie. That he would be unavailable for a period of time because of this other project. So I well, don't know. I mean, what do up- you do? You can also end up with a situation like Tyler Christopher where, you know, enough time goes by and guess what? Another show snaps him up. Tyler Christopher has now been hired to uh, play a quote-unquote mystery role, although most of us kind of think we know who it is, over on Days of Our Lives, which isn't necessarily a surprise. And let's face it, Ron Carlovati wrote for Tyler Christopher on General Hospital. So it wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't be completely out of the blue for Ron Carlovati to say, oh, William DeVry is available? Well, okay, let's bring him over here. Let's throw him on this canvas too. Why not, you know? Um, it, it, historically, we've always thought of Y&R and General Hospital as sort of having the casting wars. They steal from each other a lot. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Maybe maybe we're going to kick off and see a the same thing sort of happen with Days of Our Lives and General Hospital. I will say this. The one thing that bothers me, and, and General Hospital has been particularly bad about this, especially recently, when they had the extended period where Roger Howarth was not on screen because of you know his negotiations, I do not feel like they handled that particularly well because, you know, in storyline, they sent him to New York to deal with a, a civil suit. Franco had, was is dealing with is off dealing with a civil suit. He'll be back very soon, by the way. It's um, part of my next cover story is his return and his reunion with Liz and exa- and and the fact that something is amiss just beneath the surface there. But the problem I had with the whole story was when when Franco went to New York, Liz stopped mentioning him like. So things for for weeks and weeks, anytime Liz was on screen, they acted as if the other person has to be on screen in order for you to continue to talk about them. They didn't have one-way conversations, really. Nobody asked her, hey, what's up with Franco, that guy you're dating who seems to not be around anymore. Like, they just completely dropped him. And that's very jarring for a viewer, you know. So if they do the same thing with, with Julian, where now they do – it's worth noting that they do right now have Julian in a position where they could easily address this because Julian is about to go on trial. And so you could very easily sentence Julian, send him off to you know prison, and leave him there until this situation is resolved. It wouldn't be the first time that a soap opera character has gone to prison and come back. The other thing you mentioned that, that I always wonder about, too, is we you and I both see – as does the network, the influx of tweets and emails and phone calls and things from people when they are upset about a situation. Um, over on CBS, we saw it with Michael Muni, and we still see it occasionally. It still comes up occasionally. Mm-hmm. You know, when it, as soon as as soon as they announced that Mal Young was taking over as head writer, all the all the usual tweets came out. You know, well, when is Michael Muni coming back? That's the only thing we want. Blah blah blah. Those and. I occasionally track these things, and I'll write down the names of people who, at the time that it's happening, say, I am never watching this show again. And it's interesting because they tend to watch. (laughs) They tend to keep watching. You can tell because they continue to mention the show and what's going on. 
But at the same time, there is that question of um, there is a fan base that um, is very, very vocal out there, and I'm not going to name names, but I know you know which one I'm talking about, and people probably can figure it out eventually. But but there's a fan base that very regularly talks about how if what they want, they do not get, they're not watching the show anymore. And they brag about the fact that of the number that they represent. And they're very proud of the number that they represent. But the number they represent and that they, that they whether it's real or imagined, is not a big number. You know, in, in comparison to, like you were saying, the overall audience, the number of people that they represent is really, you know, kind of a drop in the bucket. And it's like, if that's how many people you represent, then I'm not necessarily going to worry as much. I don't think any show wants to upset a fan base, obviously, because fan bases are very vocal. But at the same time, I think you have to take – I'm a big believer that no show lives or dies based on a fan base and or a parent, with very, very few exceptions. You know, we, we've both seen – uh, during fan wars, when one side will say, well, if you put my pair on and you reunite them, the show will shoot to number one in the ratings. And it never happens, <laughs> you know? I mean, there may, there may be a small ratings bump, but when's the last time any show shot to the top of the ratings because of a couple and their fan base? It just doesn't happen. It happens because a show overall is good. That couple may be part of the overall story that helps propel ratings, but it's pretty rare that any one couple is responsible for a ratings rise or fall of any significance. Wouldn't you agree? I, I kind of do. And I actually joked about this also on Twitter, which also got me in trouble where I was saying that, you know, if there's ever anybody who, uh, if it was brought to me on Twitter that the uh, young and the restless was intentionally keeping apart certain characters just to upset the fans and make them uh, not want to watch the show. To which my, my initial response was, it doesn't necessarily make any sense to me that the show would want people not to watch because that would either mean that they want the show to end or they just don't care about the fans. And I, I can't see either of those. So my joke was, well, the best way to alienate the most people on The Young and the Restless would to be break, to break up uh, Kane and Lily and to break up and keep apart Devon and Hillary and have Kane and Devon become a couple. It was just Oh my God. Oh my God. Clearly there, do you it have, would never do you have happen. Any idea how many, do you have any idea how many pearls you have caused to be clutched <laughs> with that statement? I know, but that was the thing is I'm saying, you know, if you, if you really think that the show is trying to make people upset, why not just go for the gusto? Why not, uh, you know, completely devastate the lane fans, which I mean, there's uh, quite vocal and uh, many of them who are rooting for the couple. Why not upset Devon and Hillary's fan base? Because, they're vocal and they love the couple and want them back together. You have the fan base that doesn't ever want to see anyone who's a gay character on the show. Um, so I'm like, it would just, it, if the show, if they wanted to cancel the show and make people stop watching, clearly that would be the way to do it. So I, I don't think that the show wants people to stop watching, but there is a part of me too that says, or, or thinks about even in real life, is that if you have something that is worth being together, if you have a relationship that is worth anything, you overcome obstacles, whatever they may be. It doesn't necessarily mean like in soap cases that you go off and, and bang your father's 
stepson or something until you get back with him. I don't know. I'm I'm confused uh, in my in my head. I know what I'm talking about. Uh, it, it's yeah. like uh, uh, Wyatt it's and Katie sad. on the it's Bold and the Beautiful. It's like you have it's like you have plotline Tourette's. <laughs> just get them out there and <laughs> see what happens. And no, it's well, just, it's a case of no, no, and not everything. Uh, uh, yes, I, if, if I had a favorite couple, I don't necessarily – I wouldn't say that I do. I'm, I watch couples, and I'm into them when they're couples, and when they're not, I find other couples, and it's just the way that things go. Uh, but for me, you know, I want couples to be happy if there's a couple that I like. But there is also the part of me of when poo comes up, you know, I want them to be able to get through poo and be back together. If they were really meant to be together in the first place, they won't let the poo get in their way. That's just me, but that's in real life. I've seen people well, who've broken also, up with people because they didn't like their clothes. There's also the fact of the matter is single couple shippers, which is, is what we're largely talking about here. You know, couples, people who view the world um, or view a soap really through the eyes of their love of one couple, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the thing that they do where they shoot themselves in the foot is they don't want to see, they basically don't want to see that couple have a story, you know, because soap operas are about trauma and drama and bad things happening to couples. You know, couples, if they don't, if couples don't have something to overcome, then they stagnate on the back burner. Now, yes, you know, there's the argument that a couple doesn't have to sleep with somebody or cheat with somebody or, you know, be separated to, to be good drama. But, Look at any of the super couples that have ever been on soap operas, you know, whether it's your Victor and Nikki's or your Luke and Laura or any couple. They had things to overcome. They had, you know, people who, you know, Todd and Blair, um, you know, Cliff and Nina. They, they, they had huge, huge obstacles, and they spent a lot of their time apart because that is what soap operas are. If you want a couple, if you want to watch something that has couples that are going to stay together, watch a sitcom. You know, because that's couples and sitcoms don't usually break up unless it's Friends or something like that, where they became soap operas. Um, you know, watch The Big Bang Theory. Those couples don't really break up; they all stay together and they go through little dramas. But it's a half-hour comedy, and they stay together. And that's sort of the other problem that sometimes arises is that when when shippers say i want my couple together what they are technically saying is i don't really want my couple to i don't want my couple to have story and that's not interesting there's no interest in that but isn't there a way though to make couples together happy but to give them other story or other drama that doesn't necessarily involve them having to split up. I mean, there are people who've been together for, you know, 50, 60 years in the real world and they've had crap happen, but it doesn't mean that they've, you know, started sleeping around and, and uh, having drunken affairs in Japan or uh, holding knives to people's throats. I don't I mean, I, I, to me, that's almost a sign of wanting to tell the same type of story. And we, you and I talk offline as well about wanting to do things that are topical to bring in things that are more modern storytelling. Can't they do a modern storytelling that doesn't involve a couple, uh, you know, a, a third leg of a, of a relationship, a triangle? Can't, there's got to be something that comes up with that. I completely agree. There are other things to tell. But any long-term couple, you know, like if you want your couple, if you want, if you want your couple that you ship to be a, a long-term couple that's going to be on a show 5, 10, 15 years, 
there's going to be some of that stuff. It's, in, it's inevitable. You know, I mean, you can't tell 15 years worth of story with a happy couple. Um, you know, unless you decide to turn your show into Murder, She Wrote, and, or, you know, they become the hearts and everywhere they go, somebody drops <laughs> dead and you start investigating, you know. And there are ways to do that. Those couples are called tentpole couples. You know, like in the old days, most shows had tentpole couples. For example, on the edge of night, Mike and Nancy Carr were a tentpole couple. And they very rarely broke up. And they had story, but most of their story involved being there. You know, Mike was the district attorney in town. Nancy was a reporter. So they would be covering other people's stories or they would be, you know, dealing with legal issues and handling that kind of thing. Um, but they weren't necessarily – and they were, they were like, you know, they were loved. Nancy and Mike Carr were beloved. But they were more talked to and tentpole characters than they were couples who drove story. And there's, you know, there's a certain dissatisfaction in that kind of thing as well. Um, someone in the chat room, Hello Sunshine in the chat room, is saying, you know, um, that um, take Havon, Havon, meaning Hillary and Devon, for example – to first be established as a long-term couple, you have to have some happiness and foundation. You can't get married one month and have angst and cheating and lying the next eight months to just divorce. And I completely mm. agree with that. I completely agree with that. You cannot be a, you cannot even begin to become a super couple if you don't at some point have a sort of baseline of happiness. There has to be something to root for there. Uh, I I love Hillary and Devon, but I think that couple has been so badly written for so long now. Um, because various regimes have not, and it's not just one regime, it's several, have not known what to do with them. You know, um, whether it was Hillary and Devon cheating behind Neil's back, which just made them look like skanky people. It's hard to root for skanky people. And the fact that, you know, that Neil was blind and these two were cheating behind his back, that, that does not, that's not super couple material. Or the fact that, you know, that, Hillary over, over has become sort of – there is nothing wrong with being a vixen. It's great. But we have to see redeeming qualities in a vixen. And Hillary, we haven't really seen all that many redeeming qualities. She does things that are sort of very self-serving, and that's fine. But a lot of the self-serving things she does are things that are directly going to stand between her and Devon being a couple, like like her battles with Lily – that is Devon's sister. He is not going to be appreciative of her doing things to hurt his sister. That is always going to come back and bite her. There are plenty of ways that, that Hillary can be manipulative and, 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 and plenty of people in town that she can be manipulative against. But, but they need to find a way to write her as someone who is more than just a bitch and who like, – like you can see, whenever Devon and Hillary are in the room, you can see that Devon still cares for her. But then she goes and does something stupid like steal the commercial out from under Lily. Yes, you can argue that it was – you know, that there were millions of people, well, thousands, whatever, who auditioned for this commercial and Hillary threw – but when Hillary threw her hat in that ring, she knew she was competing against, against Lily. And she knew that if she got that part, that would be something that would cause friction. Like there were – she needs to cause friction with people other than those that her her would be long term love care about. You know what I mean? Oh, I do. I just, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I don't feel as strongly about couples in that sense. It, it's funny. I watch more for story, I guess, than I do necessarily for couples. I do root for couples. Um, and I'm happy when there are couples 
I mean, very rarely is there a couple on screen that I just I, I don't like. Uh, for whatever reason, I, I don't get fully emotionally invested. Maybe it's because I know that there's no point in doing that because couples don't last for all that long on soaps in the first place where I don't sort of put all my eggs in the basket of uh, saying that, hey, if they break up, I'm going to be very, very unhappy. Uh, that doesn't right. really happen we, to me, I, but I agree, you, though. You and I both ship story. We ship story over couples. That's not to say there aren't couples I love. Like, I love Eric and Quinn on The Bold and the Beautiful. Love them. But I loved the story they played with Ridge. I loved the And one of the things I really loved about it was this was a great example of something that you could do with a couple like Hillary and Devon or any other couple, really. Quinn and Ridge did not cheat, you know? I mean, I mean some people would say it's technically technically cheating, but they shared a couple of kisses. And the show got so much good drama out of the fact that they were both devastated and torn apart by the fact that that they kept being drawn back to each other behind the backs of Brooke and Eric, the people they loved. That, to me, was really, really strong storytelling because it involved emotional... It, it, it showed that you can, you can have characters do something that is emotionally devastating to the people they love without actually having them fall into bed. There's more to, you know, there's, there's, there's more to an emotional flirtation in some ways than there is to a sexual one. And I thought that was a really good example of something you can do without having a couple cheat. Yeah, I think too, uh, I mean, I also wonder, and this isn't going to be probably what any of the fan bases want to hear about their characters. I wonder if sometimes if it's just better to, I don't know, to give up on it. Uh, and this isn't just in, in regards to Hillary and Devon. This is also like for the fans of uh, Alexis and Julian on General Hospital. You know, at, at what point do you just say, you know what, I'm going to uh, I, I give up. Uh, you know, whatever the, the writers will bring, that's what we're going to bring, and I'll support the show. I would rather have the show than not have the show. I don't know. I mean, to me, again, it even goes back to with all my children, with people who wrote to me saying that they weren't going to ever watch all my children if Bianca was a lesbian. And, you know, they were still writing to me about watching the show when the show went off the air. I wonder if sometimes uh, if it isn't better to just say, you know what, maybe they're not giving me everything that I want, but at least it's on the air. I know it's a totally different argument and and they have gone down a different road. That's really tough because, I mean, it, it, it comes down to are there people who are so invested in the couple that they will quit watching, even if there are other things on the show that they enjoy, if they, you know, if they are not getting the couple they want. You know, let's, um, I'm going to bring a couple callers on. Are you going to stick around? I am. I'll sit here and be quiet in the corner, maybe. You don't have to be quiet. Yes, you do. It's my <laughs> show, not yours. <laughs> <sighs> this is the, this is the Richard hour, not the Hillary and Dan hour. Uh, uh, all right, we're going to take a call here. Caller six one nine six one nine. You're on the air. What do you got for us tonight? Hello, Richard. Hello. Who's this? This is this is Ferris. Good to be hey, back Ferris, on your show how again. Are you? Good. How I'm are good. you? Good. I'm fine. Happy pre-birthday. I understand you you have a big birthday coming up. We won't say what it is. We won't say the age, but uh, you have a big milestone birthday coming up, so happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, you can say how. You can, so what do you, you got for us tonight? 
Well, we want to do a, I want to do a follow-up on the last conversation that we had concerning Hevon. And um, you said something's going to happen with Hevon by the end of the summer. Has that changed? Well, I mean, first of all, what I said was you would start seeing a change in the writing, and I think we have seen that. I mean, everything on the show certainly leans toward and indicates that this is the couple that, that, that you're going to root for. I mean, even the fact that, you know, even if you look at the Mariah-Tessa situation, it's, it's very clearly, you know, another sort of brick in the wall that comes between Mariah and Devon and sort of inches him toward, uh, toward Hillary. Now, the big question becomes, when we were talking about all of those things, that was you know, under the previous regime. That was when Sally Sussman was writing the show. The question becomes, right. what does what does Mal Young do with this? Now, I have interviewed Mal several times. I'm a really big fan of his. I was a fan of his work on other shows, whether it was EastEnders or Doctor Who, um, things like that. He is a big believer in story. He's a big believer in audience. Um, he does listen to the audience. Um, I mean, he doesn't listen to the audience over story, but but like any good executive or head writer of a show, he does sort of keep his fingers on the pulse of what people are saying. So, I mean, I think that if I had to guess that he would also continue the trajectory of moving Hillary and Devon closer together because it's it's sort of a win. There's good story there. There's good chemistry there. There's good, you know, there's there's an audience that wants to see it. Ignoring that is is sort of, would be sort of, you know, just not a smart move. So I assume that he will continue on that trajectory, but one never knows. You know, you don't know what a new person's going to bring to the table. We won't be seeing Mal stuff until October. Well, technically you will not see him until October, but much like with Ron Carlovati, who we, we knew the date that Ron's material was going to start airing, but we also heard a lot of stories that he was injecting things into stuff earlier than his first technical date. So I would be really surprised if we don't start seeing Mal's influence before that, um, you know, just based on on how things have worked and things I'm hearing backstage, things like that. I would be surprised if we don't sort of start getting a sense of the changes that he wants to make earlier than that. But, yes, we won't see his – technically, we will not be seeing his material until October. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if Mal does inject some stuff right now, you know, because with the writing changes that happen that happened last week, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he started injecting stuff in there earlier than later. Right. But I, but, 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 but right now, what we're seeing right now in the Havon storyline, you know, it's, it's kind of like the same stuff we saw for the last couple of months, you know, Devon and Hillary, you know, you know, chemistry is still there, but when Devon's out of the room, he's putting Hillary down and, to another person, and um, Mariah is putting is is, is um, shoving her, her relationship with Devon in her face. It's kind of the same stuff. Okay, well, well wait, wait, wait. Nobody, uh, Mariah is not shoving her relationship in your faces. On the show, Devon uh, or on the show, Devon That's and I mean. Mariah are in a relationship. Hillary is in a relationship with Jordan. And, it's, you know, shippers are going to look at that and say, oh, you know, they're shoving the relationship. In order. That's not shoving. That, that's people being in a relationship. That's how it is. If they just – if they ended it tomorrow, if all of a sudden tomorrow – I hope. Devon, if they – well, don't, don't hope. If you hope that, then stop watching. 
because that's not going to happen. If they tomorrow, if tomorrow Devon said, you know what, I'm really not into this, I'm going to go be with Hillary, that would be the most disingenuous writing on the planet because that is not how things happen in real life. And it would be, it would be completely caving to a fan base and not in a good way. You know, it, it, that would be something being done that is not natural, it is not a natural progression. The natural progression on a soap opera is that relationships change slowly over time. So if you're waiting for, if, if you think that tomorrow or next week, suddenly Devon and Hillary are going to be back together, you're going to be disappointed because that is not how soap operas work, period. It has to be epic with the, um, it has to be epic. That's what well, I'm it doesn't have to necessarily be epic. epic, but it has to make sense. It can't just happen overnight because a fan group wants it. That's not. That's just not. That's not reasonable. That's not. That's not good soap opera. And and above all, this you have to remember. While while on on the Young and the Restless, it might be called the Hillary Hour. The show is not called the Devon and Hillary Hour. It's the Young and the Restless, and it's about a full canvas of characters who they also interact with. Hillary and Devon are two of those characters, as are Mariah, as are Jordan, and 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 for them to ignore, you know, everything that has been written, whether you like it or not, whether anybody likes it or not, it, you can't suddenly ignore the history of, of whether it's a week ago or six months ago or five years ago. I mean, that's, that's the number one sin in soap operas is you, is you forget the past or you rewrite the past or you ignore the past. So whether it's epic or whether it's something that just sort of is a slow evolution, it cannot happen overnight. That would be, that would be so disingenuous and such bad soap opera. Dan, would you agree? Oh, hello. Yes. No, I was just listening. I hello, Dan. agree. I mean, hi. I, I think here's the thing. Um, as I say with, with any couple that people want to see together, but for whatever reason, they're not. For me, when I'm watching other shows, uh, I'm taking soaps out of this, so we'll, we'll move to a, more of a, a neutral plane field. There are other shows? When I watch a lot of... When, Believe it or not, there are shows that air after 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It's amazing. Uh, There are couples that I watch them and I see their pain of things that are going on where you sit and go, oh, my God, why don't you just say I'm sorry? Or, oh, my God, why don't you just kiss her? Whatever the case is. And there's that part of of me that enjoys – a a tortured couple. I, it's not that I enjoy seeing people unhappy. I just feel like for me, for me, the payoff is so much better than in what you were saying. You know, tune in tomorrow and all of a sudden, you know, Devon says, oh, my God, what am I doing here? I, I don't want to be with you, Mariah. Could it happen? I mean, sure. I've seen people do weird things in real life. I think for me, in terms of story, I agree. I think that you use the word disingenuous. I don't necessarily know that that's the best way to go, even if let's let's see the point. Let's say that Devon and Hillary are meant to be together, have always meant to be together and should be together for eternity. If we take that as assuming that as fact, I still don't know that doing something switch of the of the light, I don't know that that's the best way to go. I would rather see in this case, I would rather see them do something that makes sense, that ends up being making sense in story and then gives the the group of people that are hoping for them to get together 
I, I just saying here, let's put them together. That's sort of it's like, oh, great, you put them together. Okay, I would rather see something that comes in a payoff that people can then get to Twitter and say, you know, um, this is what we've been talking about for all these months, and we said that they deserve to be together. See, this is it. This is the moment where you can give the fans a little sense of vindication that you know, say, hey, we were right, rather than just sort of making it look like eh, all right, we'll give you what you want, and it won't be good, and we're not going to do anything other than giving you what you want. I don't always want to be given what I want unless it's a cupcake. Cupcakes are good. <laughs> or brownie brittle. Brownie I, brittle is good. I, I think the, I other, the other problem there is, the other problem is you have, to be, you have to be fair to the entire audience, not just to the audience of one couple. You have to be fair to the entire audience. And the entire audience is invested in a story. And even if there are people in the audience who don't like the story, that's, you, know, that you can't disregard the rest of the audience at that expense. And more importantly, if you look specifically at Hillary and Devon, if Devon were to wake up tomorrow and say, you know what, screw this, I want to be with Hillary, it, wouldn't, it would not be natural because they have not addressed any of the things that came between them. Now, you may not like the things that came between them, and you may find them to be – like, I, I thought their breakup was silly, and it, and it didn't really make sense, and it was, it was plot-point-driven as opposed Amen to, to that sort one. of arising naturally. Silly. Right, but here's the thing. It doesn't matter that it was silly. It now is part of their history, and so now it must be dealt with. And so it would not make sense for Devon to simply walk in and be like, I want to be with Hillary, because nothing has changed. Things have to change between them. She has to prove herself. He has to prove himself. A couple has to sort of earn on soaps. They have to earn the right to be together. And if they've hurt each other, then and they've done things, one or the other or both, if they've done things to each other, those things have to be undercome, overcome. They can't just be sort of shoved under the carpet. They have, so, so we are not at a place yet where I think this is a couple that has sort of earned their reunion now i do believe that that's something now young can do because as a fan of eastenders if you if you've ever watched eastenders which is the english soap he oversaw for quite a while um that show was really big on making sure that that when a couple who had broken up got back together you understood why they got back together. You understood why they broke up, and you understood what had happened to sort of move them to a point where they were, you know, able to get back together instead of just putting them back together. And I think that's what we're going to see. At least I'm hoping that's what we'll see, because to me, that's not only serving Hillary and Devon and their fans. It's serving the show as a whole, because that makes for good television when the whole audience can look at a couple and say, oh, okay. I understand why they're. I understand why they broke up, even though I didn't like it, and I now understand why they're getting back together. They've the the, the writers and and everyone behind the scenes, they've earned it. They've earned even from people who don't necessarily like the couple, they've earned them being together. You know what I mean? Yes. It needs to be written beautifully. Yes, and that's, and that's true of all couples. That's true of all soap couples. You know, if if a couple is poorly written. Then, then it, it, you know, it's like they say: if it's not on the, if it's not on the page, it's not on the stage. And if a couple is poorly right. written, then there's nothing you can do to sell it. You know, there's just nothing you can do to sell it. So, um, but if you break a couple up, you have to have as much commitment 
to why they are getting back together as you had to why they fell apart, you know? Um, whether it's Sonny and Carly on General Hospital getting together for the fifth time, um, you know, it, it, like oh lord, <laughs> I I do not believe like I do not believe that right now. Even though Sonny and Carly have sort of gotten back together, I do not believe that they have earned that reunion. I think that that was an insta reunion that they did not earn. Alexis and Julian on General Hospital, I I get flamed for it all the time, but Julian has not, in my opinion, done anything that would justify Alexis forgetting what he did, putting aside what he did, and saying, I will allow you not only into my life, but like when, when Alexis handed over Sam's baby to Julian, I screamed at my television. I was like, I'm one of those people who talks to the television. I was furious because he didn't, like, like, how dare you, that you know how Sam feels about this man. This man tried to kill you, and you're handing over the baby to him? I was uh, – Dan, back me up here on Julian and Alexis. Great couple. Nancy Legron and William DeVry, amazing chemistry. But have they, in your eyes, earned the right to put this couple back together yet? Well, Dan, before you answer that, I hope they work this whole thing out with the guy who plays Julian. They needed to work this whole thing out because the fans want him, want him to remain on that show. So that actually is a twofold then, bringing that in. So here's the thing. I very much loved Julian and Alexis together. I very much, and I've said this I think the last time I was on the show, I very much love the fact that we've moved from the, I hate to you know, mention his name because he's going to pop up, but we've moved from the Brian Franz era where if you were over 30, you were undesirable and unwanted, and now we have a couple where both of the char- both of the actors involved are over 30 and they're involved in a hot romance that people could get behind. And then you have this and as we were talking, you know, sometimes you split characters apart where in the case of of B&B where you said, you know, Quinn and Ridge didn't actually do the do, they just kissed, which yes, I'm sure, you know, we can make the argument that that's wrong and horrible, but not for this moment. There's a difference between kissing and then, you know, holding a knife to someone's throat. There's, there are certain things. Uh, if you're going to go and say that uh, soaps glorify rape, there's even the term they came up with, rape mance. If you're going to go something to like that, you should also then not glorify domestic violence. And I think that that being said, I love Nancy. I love William. I remember the very first red carpet that uh, I did, William DeVry came over and he talked about my shoes. It was right outside of Radio City Music Hall in New York. He came over and said, oh, I said, Kenneth Cole. I said, yes, how did you know? And we talked. Anyway. Uh, oh, my I, God, I you, said, name I, I, you name dropper. You name dropper. Kenneth Cole. I was wearing Kenneth Cole. And also my suit was by, my suit was by Forrester Creations. It was. It was actually. It was a Forrester original. Uh, but to say that I liked them, and I would, I would actually like to see William DeVry. I, I liked him on uh, on All My Children, and he was not a nice person. I liked him on The Bold and the Beautiful. He was killed there. I, I would like to see him continue somewhere because I enjoy his work. I just don't know how you get back from something. Uh, I, I there are no amounts of I'm sorry's. There are no amounts of uh, roses being delivered. There's no amount of candy, cake, whatever it is that 
that you can go back from the whole knife thing. I mean, maybe they come up and say, hey, it was somebody else impersonating him, and then I'll get past it, and then I can move on. I just – I don't know what you do. But now I, I want to zip it back to a question for the caller only because if Devon and Hillary get back together, say whatever, we'll not worry about how they get back together. Let's say they get back together. What happens for the fan base? Because I know that we, we've talked about it. There are, are quite a few folks who are vocal about it on Twitter, and the, I know that you were representing and talking. What happens when they're happy? What sort of story do you want to see for them then, knowing what soaps do and how they like to tear people apart? What do you do with a happy couple to keep giving them story that's going to keep them on the canvas? Well, now, you have to have see. an answer, Ferris, because if you don't have an answer, it's sort of like the GOP having seven years to come up with a health care replacement plan and not do it again. <laughs> Let's leave so the GOP out. You've had time to come up with a storyline <laughs> oh, I, I do have an answer. So. <laughs> okay. Well, actually, I do have an answer. You know, probably before they broke up, they did buy, they did had a house together, a penthouse, that we, that we only saw in like five episodes. And then, I would, and then suddenly they broke up. They wanted to raise a family. They wanted to raise kids. They, we just wanted to see them as, a, as, as another core family because the Young and the Restless had co- was basically core families, like the Abbots. We had the Abbots. We had the Williamses. We had the Winters. I was ready for the Hamiltons. This was another young core story. family. I was ready for them. But that's not a story. That would be if, – if I'm tuning in every day and all I'm seeing is a happy couple, you know, decorating their penthouse and planning for a baby – that is not a story. That is a that is you, that is a fan base getting to enjoy their couple being together. But but for the rest of the audience, that's kind of a snooze fest, you know. Like so, what is the story that you tell for them? Story. Hmm. Let's see what they can what they can interact with the, what they can interact with members of the um, General City um, Elite. You know. You know, and, and it can run. Well, I think, I think that is the challenge. I think I'm going to pose that as the challenge for the next time you come on the show. Is the next time you come on the show, you and the rest of the base that, you know, you, you guys talk a lot. I, the next time you come on, I want you to have a story to pitch for me. You know, an actual, like, like and a story is not they interact with their neighbors or they, buy, they, they move into their penthouse. It has to be something that has actual movement, plot points, development, you know, involves other people. So, Ferris, that is your challenge. The next time you come on the show, I want you to have – oh, look, I'm giving homework. I want you to have a story <laughs> to uh, pitch to whether it's Dan and I, if Dan happens to be here, or just me and the rest of the listeners, and that is your homework. Um, we're going to take another call here. 204, 204, you're on the air. You've been very patient and holding. What do you got for me? Dan, it's uh, Dan. Um, Richard, it's Al from Canada. How are you? Al from Hello. Canada. How are you? Very good. You know we have three Pisces on, right? All three of us are Pisces. Yes, hey. we do. Awesome. So, anyways, I'm just gonna make this quick. I've just got three things, and I'll just just run through them real quick. One, William DeVry, If he doesn't go back to GH, how about him going to YNR, and he can pick up a character that was. Uh, Left off in a murky fashion um, in the um, in the mid '80s, Rick Darrow, who was an enemy of Mickey, Paul, and Victor's, and he comes back, um, I guess, with plastic surgery, or maybe they say that he looked the same or whatever. And he's got a power base, and Michael is his lawyer, and Michael and he helped protect Michael 
um, when Michael was in jail. And that folds Lauren, Paul, um, Michael, and the Newmans all together or whatever, and maybe they have a murder mystery with him after a year and a half or so. I like that. that. Who would you pair him? Who would you pair him with romantically on the show? Who would you make his uh, his lady? Phyllis. Okay. Phyllis. Yeah, and pull Phyllis in, and then you know you got Christine in there, a little bit of angst too. Um, uh, on another uh, side note, quick uh, with uh, YNR, um, I was listening to Jamie Giddens on Daytime Confidential. He's saying uh, what would be doing since Kevin, uh, since Greg Ricard is coming back as Kevin have Kevin exposed um, with Chloe. They both come back to uh, Genoa City. Paul is furious that Victor um, played uh, screwed uh, with uh, Chloe's mind like he did with Patty. And Paul goes after Victor with a vengeance and sort of kind of uh, is vindicated and kind of wins and puts Victor in jail for a while. What do you think about that? I doubt it will happen, but what do you think about that? No way. There's no way Victor is going to jail. Um, I mean, I'm I'm really glad to have um, Greg Rickert coming back. I'm a huge fan of his. Um, to the best of my knowledge, and Dan, correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, as you always do. Um, unless, I'm, unless I'm not mistaken, we have not heard anything about um, Elizabeth Henderson coming back. Right? It's only Greg. Yeah, it's interesting, and I, I know that the show will probably never really uh, comment on uh, on what was going on. Was Greg's exit really only intended to be for a short time? I would say no, because he certainly wrote that message about being there for however many years, and you know, all good things must come to an end. So that sort of, but then they could say, well, he went along with the with the the ruse that he wanted everyone to think that he was really gone. I don't know that I would buy that either. Uh, but to the best of my knowledge, it was always Elizabeth Hendrickson that wanted to leave, uh, at least yes. from what I'm recalling in my mind. So I don't know if they then decided, oh, well, hey, if she's going, let's prune the cast and let's get rid of uh, her love interest as well and wrap it up nice and neat. And then they had a change of heart. I'd heard uh, not only that it was the, the surprise and outcry from, from fans and, and castmates, uh, I also had heard that there might have been some concern that they didn't think about that by getting rid of Kevin, it also impacted future story for other characters uh, that were already on the canvas and then thought, oh, hey, uh, maybe we need to reconsider this. I don't know if that's necessarily the case, um, but I, I, I don't know. So if, if you don't bring back Elizabeth Hendrickson, then it's another thing where you have to explain what happened off screen that is all of a sudden going to be having Kevin come back to Genoa City. Right. The only um, way, and the only way I can think about that is if you say that once Kevin and Chloe and Bella established their happy little life, like Chloe got hit by a car and then he and died. So then he comes back and he doesn't really have to explain to anybody that Chloe was alive because, well, they. But is he coming back with the baby? <laughs> Is he coming up back I, with the kid? Because if not, I really then... I don't know. And that's, that's the weird thing is, like, if you bring Kevin back without, with, with Bella, if you bring Kevin back with Bella, I see lots of good storyline there for, like, you know, single dad, you know, raising mm-hmm. the kid. I think there's a really good story to tell there. But how do you explain the Chloe thing? And yeah. if you don't bring um, uh, Bella back, then you have to explain why would he willingly leave his child and come back to Genoa City for a life. You know, that it, it's going to be an interesting decision to see exactly what happens. Hold on one second there, right. guys. Um, for those of you who yeah. are listening live, you're about to lose the feed. 
Um, I want to thank Dan and Al and Ferris. And I want to thank everybody who's listening for being here. We're going to continue with this call and um, before we wrap up the show, but, but we're going to lose the live feed. So thank you all for coming. If you're listening in the uh, archive, which most of you are, nothing is going to change. We're just going to keep right on babbling. So go ahead, Alan. <laughs> Okay, uh, just my last question, um, and then you guys can wrap up after this. So whose organic conflict between Y&R and Days do you think just they should, if a new soap opera was um, wanting to take from Days or from Y&R, whose organic conflict do you think works best? Um, and it's going to be about like six people here, so I'll, I'll just go. Um, Days' conflict between Eric and Brady and Trip and Joey or Weiner's conflict with Billy and um, uh, Jack versus um, Devon and Hill, uh, Devon and Neil when Devon and Neil were um, interacting. Which one felt more organic between the two soaps? Go for it, Dan. I'm not sure I understand the question, so I need to get a uh, a repeat so I can follow along at home. Okay, Dave. Has um, Eric and Brady have conflicts right now, and so yes. Joey and Tripp, and they're both and they're and they're both brothers. Okay, on uh, YNR, I mean, I'm going back to the past uh, when Neil and Devon had conflict, and Jack and Billy currently had conflict. I'm asking between the two shows, which one did it better? Oh, well, that's interesting. I I, I wonder almost if this isn't a case of of apples and oranges. Yes, I know that that's skirting the question and it makes me look like I'm cheating. Uh, I just feel like they're not necessarily the same type of, of conflict. I think that the young and the restless is, is something more, uh, I don't know, for whatever reason, the, the Jack and Billy conflict, uh, I enjoy it more. Like I, when I watch it, it makes me happy <laughs> that they're fighting. I'm not entirely sure why. I'm not usually someone who likes conflict unless it's, you know, Richard Milhouse Sims uh, and myself over here fighting on Twitter. Um, I, I don't know. There's something that I really I like about that. But when you go off on some of the stuff on days, it almost makes me feel sad. Uh, whereas Billy and, and, and Jack – fighting, I don't feel sad and think, oh, these brothers should get along. Uh, for Eric and Brady and, and, and uh, Trip, not so much because it's a newer character, but I almost feel sad. I'm like, oh my goodness, you're brothers. You should get along and love each other. You know, I'm an only child. But why don't you, if I had a brother, don't you feel that, I don't know. Why don't you feel that way about Billy and Jack? They're brothers. Why shouldn't they get along? You're an abbot. I, know, I don't know why. I, I know. I <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, whatever you call people who are against, I'm a siblingness. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I don't, I don't know. There's something about it. Like, I don't know. In my mind, even when they say they hate each other, even when one's not invited over for, for the family breakfast, I, I don't know. I feel like in the back of my mind, at some point, it's always going to work. They're going to work it out, but I enjoy watching them fight in the meantime. That doesn't bother me. I don't know why. Uh, for all of the others, uh, maybe it's because this is going to sound ageist. Let me just offend all uh, uh, groups of people. I feel because there's a, a bit of an age difference between them that it's a different level, sort of, where you, you've got a, a, an experience gap 
where I feel like, yes, they can argue and, and get along. When you're closer together as siblings, I almost feel like you should just get over it because you've been – I don't know, because you've been around each other more. and if, I don't know. I, I'm not entirely sure why. I can't explain it. But I do like – That was the worst uh, I really, answer really, ever. Oh, you that know what? That was a terrible dude, answer. Peter Bergman is fun to watch him be nasty. With the scenes with uh, when when Jack and Phyllis were arguing, I loved it. Uh, I mean, I never for once thought that Peter Bergman and, and, and Gina Tignoni, though they must hate each other because that's why they're so good at this. It was fun to watch them go at it. I, and I just think that more so than in the past, uh, I, I really like Peter Bergman and, and uh, Jason Thompson being able to, to go at it. it. It just brings me pleasure. You know what I think, what do you think is, you know, you know, here's what I think the difference is. You know, when you said that Eric and Brady makes you sad, I think I know why. And I'm dead serious when I say this. When Billy okay. and Jack fight, when Billy and Jack fight, you know, they have a long history. And they've been close. They've been distant. They've been close. They've been distant. Jack has always been... So Jack has always put himself in sort of the parental position there, like, oh, my little brother, this screw-up. And it also sort of comes off, for some reason, as very fun when they fight. Eric has always been, and maybe not always, but certainly since Greg Vaughn took over the role, Eric is a little bit of, he's a little bit of a hangdog. He's a little bit of the, like, like, He's just sort of a sad puppy. He always he always seems like the guy who if is the puppy who was kicked. Whereas Brady is the guy who has always had everything. You know, he grew up in the lap of luxury, and yet despite that, he's been really unlucky in love. You know, like like he's constantly he makes these really awful decisions. So I feel like maybe it's the difference in the characters is what you're feeling there. Like I. I agree. I like both pairs, but I find Eric, who I love, I love, love, love Eric, but I find him to be a tragically sad character. I just think he, he just always looks as if somebody ran over his bunny, and and <gasps> I made that personal for you, Dan. I made that personal for you. I made it a bunny <laughs> instead of a puppy. Um, and I think I think that, for me, is the difference. So I think the more organic-feeling one, I think the Jack Billy one is more organic for me because I, I understand, you know, Jack stepped in to be a father and a mother in many ways to his siblings, especially after John died. And I think that Jack sort of until recently, until the whole Phyllis thing, even when Billy screwed up and even when Billy and Jack were fighting because Billy screwed up, Jack truly wanted the best for his brother. He really wanted his brother to rise up and stop being the loser that he was. And, and that is why, because he was so supportive of Billy, and I think that's why the Phyllis thing hurt so much. You know, I, it's like I did everything for you. I helped raise you. I was the best big brother I could be. And this is how you repay me, you know. And then he goes into his grandmother, but this is how you repay me. Uh, so for me, that's really organic because it's based in a long-term story that, you know, I understand the history of these characters. Right. Okay, well, I'll talk to you guys in a couple of weeks when I have more time and we can uh, chat. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, Al from Canada. I, I have to tell you, Dan, I love when Al from Canada calls because Al from Canada always has um, 
he brings something different to the table. Like, he has really interesting questions. He doesn't just ask me, like, you know, do you think so-and-so are going to get back together? He comes up with, like, these theoretical questions, like, which is more organic? And he actually makes me think. I think he makes me, in some ways, a smarter soap pundit. And he tried to do that with you tonight but failed miserably. I know, you know, one one at a time, uh, Canada, one at a time. <laughs> one at a time. Those Canadians, they're so pushy and obnoxious. My God, I just offended my, half of my audience now. Uh, Dan Kroll, I'm really glad you were. I always love when you hang out with me, um, and you know you have an open invitation anytime. Why don't you give yourself a little bit of a shout-out here as we wrap things up? Hi, Dan. Oh, you mean another way. Interesting to uh, uh, open shout-outs and open invitations. You have had an open invitation to come hang out, out with me here at Kroll Manor for nearly two years now. And I would like your listening audience to know, whether they be from Canada or the United States or elsewhere, you have yet to take me up on that. However, you have gone on 17 cruises. I find that very telling. That being said... If anyone else would like to you know, consider being invited over here, first you need to be my friend, and you can do that by following me on Twitter, at Dan J. Kroll. It's also the same on Instagram and every social media outlet, I'm at Dan J. Kroll. If you want to follow the soapy stuff that I do, you can follow me at Soap Central on Twitter, or of course you can go to SoapCentral.com. I don't have nearly as many online personas as Richard does, but the at Dan J. Kroll and at Soap Central are usually the two places to find me doing whatever it is that I'm doing. And I hope that people get, you know, I hope that hearing us do this show, I hope they don't think it would be weird if people were like, oh, my God, these guys hate each other so much that they even go on a radio show and spend an hour hating each other. <laughs> like, how twisted are they? Uh, and, and, and I want the audience to know, and I'm telling them this as well, so it's not just you, so there's more people uh-huh. to hold my feet to the fire later, that my plan is to now come once the kids are back in school so we can go to that nice amusement park near your house without the kids all being there and have a fun day. Uh, so once we once we get past the uh, the kids that neither you nor I have going back to school, that is my plan. And um, who knows? Maybe we'll even like do some kind of like I don't know. You know how to do that Facebook Live crap and prove that we actually are not the same person and that we exist in the same universe, unlike Superman and Clark Kent. Um, oh my Dan, God, Richard! So- I dropped the kids off at school ten years ago. I never went back <laughs> to get them. Um, no, we're not talking about. We're not we're not talking about dropping the kids in the pool like like taking a poop. We're talking actual literal kids oh, who go to school. And now we've just offended everyone, crossed every line. There's really nothing else to do except to say thank you, Dan. Um, as you guys know, I'm Richard Richard Sims, the executive editor at Soaps in Depth Magazine. You can find me at Soaps in Depth ABC, Soaps in Depth CBS. Momentarily, I will be going on to my primetime account at All TV, All Shade, and watching something. I don't even know what I'll be watching tonight, but I'll be talking about it on Twitter because I, like Madonna, believe that if you don't tweet, you don't exist. So I am everywhere. I'm also on Facebook at facebook.com slash trophy. You can find the magazine at soapsindepth.com or Facebook. 
I don't know how to find us on Facebook, to be honest, but we are on Facebook. Um, so, again, thank you, Dan. Always a pleasure having you here. Thank you, listeners. I don't know why you listen, but I'm glad you do. And remember, because it soaps, what do you got to do? You got to tune in tomorrow. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Hamburglar, the time is yours. Bravo, bravo. He said, these are McDonald's best burgers ever. And then, can I keep them? And then he just grabbed them and ran away. Bravo. Now get a Big Mac or double cheeseburger for two bucks in the app. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Must opt into rewards. Visit McD app for details. Available at most restaurants in this area. Comparison of McDonald's classic burgers to prior burgers. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.